Welcome to the Brutally Honest Podcast, and today I am joined by Greg Barron, Dr. Greg Barron, to be exact. Did I get that right? You did. All right, cool, Thank man. The, Same uh, last name. I know, right? Crazy. The uh, We were actually introduced together by Lee, who's a former guest on the show, um, and she linked us up, and she's like, you gotta meet this guy, Greg, Dr. Barron, and I was like, all right, is okay I call you Greg? Is that okay? Of course. All right, cool. Uh, I figure we're on that level. Um the uh, and so she's like, oh, you got to meet him. He's such, he's such a great guy, and I'm like, oh wow. So, I mean, with a last name like that, he's got to be super prestigious. I mean, he's got to be unbelievably successful, and he's probably brilliant. And she's like, oh my god, he totally is. He totally is. And she's gonna break my balls for this one. And I'm like, Lee. She's like, yeah. I go, my last name's Baron, and it just clicked. So uh, and and sure enough, a couple weeks later, and now we're sitting uh, sitting in the studio, hanging out, and and making a podcast. I still think we're going to find out we're like third cousins or something. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know. Who knows? I, I still think it's so crazy that, that there is some kind of relation to, together. Who knows? Um, all right. So you are a chiropractor. I know that that is uh, one of the many things that you do, and you were just telling me about dream wellness. Um, but for, obviously, the people that weren't listening just before this, what is dream wellness and, and your field, I guess, that you're working in? So we started in 1994. My partner and I, Dr. Brian Stenzler, who opened up offices in California, came up with the idea that the word wellness was being overused and confused. And no one, even though people were using the word, they didn't really understand what the word wellness meant. And we figured just like you send light through a prism, you get the visible light spectrum. You get red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, the visible colors of the rainbow. We figured, what if we take the word wellness and send it through a prism? What comes out the other side? What are really the component parts that make up the word? And we came up with the acronym DREAM, which stands for the five facets of the wellness prism, the prism being a portion of our logo. DREAM stands for diet, relaxation, exercise, being in adjustment, and mental wellness. So really the five different areas that when we're working with individuals on helping them to improve their wellness, we have to look at the component parts rather than one specific area. Wow. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty crazy. The, and now you, you had said that there's a couple different offices out there and, and what, what made you get into, cause I know you're a chiropractor by, I guess, is that trade per se? Yep. I, so, I actually went to law school. I actually went to Hofstra Law School for a year. Oh I was pre-law. I was a political <laughs> science major. And in the middle of a criminal law class, realized that, that I was in the wrong place and that I had a decision to make. I was engaged at the time. My entire family was here. My fiance was here. My whole world was, was here in New York. And in that moment, I had to make a decision to pursue my passion. I realized that it was time for me to, to move, and I ended up going to school in Georgia to pursue a career in chiropractic. My background when I was young, when I was six years old, my mother was diagnosed with cancer. And so from the age of six to 13, she had battled breast cancer, which metastasized to her brain. She eventually passed away at the age of 40, one month before her 41st birthday. Oh. I was 13 years old when she passed away. And I think that that planted a seed of that I, what I was going to ultimately do, which is devote my life to helping people get healthy, to helping people get well. And so dream wellness is not my job. It's my passion. It's my purpose. It's my mission. And I'm one of the few people 
that has been able to connect their purpose with their paycheck. I'm one of the few people that's been able to figure out a way rather than make a living that I've always chose to design a life. And I believe that there's a difference between designing a life and making a living. And that's what I've been able to do with dream wellness. It's my life's work. That's crazy. That's deep. That's so, super yeah, deep. I mean, I'm, I'm driven by a mission and a vision that's bigger than dollars and cents. That's, you know, I'm, I have that seed planted in me and that's what I've chosen to devote my life to. And I believe that my mother's passing obviously had a tremendous impact on what would ultimately become my, my future, my future goals. Yeah. Now, did you open up a, um, a chiropractic firm prior to starting dream wellness or was that the chiropractic firm? I, Cause I, I'm not too familiar. You might have to explain to me, um, how you go from, I guess, med school to, being a chiropractor to getting to dream wellness. Like where did that I actually graduated from chiropractic school and went right into practice. I joined an existing practice and went in as an independent contractor and practiced for myself within this practice right out of school. Okay. And then that was in Great Neck, New York, uh, as part of a practice called Great Neck Better Health Chiropractic. Mm -hmm. And then that Great Neck Better Health Chiropractic ultimately would become the seed for the beginning of dream wellness. My partner at the time who was practicing with me in Great Neck ended up moving out to San Diego, California. And now there are dream wellness offices in Pacific Beach and Del Mar in California. There's one in Great Neck, New York, which is run by Dr. Adam Glassman. And then I oversee the one in Smithtown, New York. So now there are currently four dream wellnesses. Wow. That's super impressive. But my background at, before I was a chiropractor, I was a martial arts instructor. So my, my, undergraduate degree was in speech communication, public okay. speaking. Yeah. My master's degree is in exercise science with a minor in sports nutrition. And then my doctorate is in chiropractic, but I was a martial arts instructor before I went to chiropractic school and a certified personal trainer. So within Dream Wellness, I get to draw from a wide range of different backgrounds and pull from that experience based on the individual that I'm working with. So it gives me an opportunity to be more than just a chiropractor Rather, I see myself more like a trusted wellness advisor, like a wellness coach. Yeah. With chiropractic being one of the tools in my toolbox. That's incredible. Holy shit. I'm mind blown right now. That's a hell of a path to, to go from the martial arts to and communication to starting a, a, a wellness facility. Now, in Dream Wellness, obviously, you guys have, have the acronym. What do you guys typically specialize in? Or, like, what is somebody – what's, like, a normal day-to-day -day in the office? Like, do people come to you with specific issues or it's just kind of, hey, you know, I feel like shit. I need to feel better. We see people that have everything. We see the youngest members of our practice are infants and kids. We do, you know, deliver chiropractic care, pediatric chiropractic to kids that have anything from ear infections to croup to asthma, to allergies. And it's always interesting when people see us working on children, they're unfamiliar with the nature of chiropractic and its relationship to kids. A lot of people don't realize that chiropractors see kids. So some people are coming in for chiropractic care. Some people are coming in for nutrition evaluations. Some people are coming in for in food inflammation tests. Some people are coming in, some of the dream wellnesses have massage or acupuncture within them. Different different uh, services, as long as they're within the five facets, again, the D-R-E-A-M, are facets and not services. So each office 
has different services that fall under those five different facets. My focus in, in the Smithtown location tends to be more on chiropractic care, nutrition, and wellness coaching. Really someone who puts it all together for somebody. Absolutely. Whether it be helping to design an exercise program, helping to design a stretching program, helping them create a better workspace environment so that they're ergonomically correct for high-level performance in the workplace. So there are other things that are being done besides just chiropractic adjusting. But the youngest members of our practice are kids. The oldest member of my practice, I mean, I've, I've adjusted people well into their 90s. Holy shit. So we run the gamut. It right. has something to offer for everyone. Yeah. Some people are symptom, have symptoms and are in pain and are looking to get out of pain. Other people are symptom-free, but they're stay. looking to be better. Ooh, they're looking like to that. be their best. They're looking to tap into the high level of potential that's available to them that has evaded them, and they're not sure why. And our job is to help them get there. Our job is to be the bridge between where somebody is and where they want to go. That's crazy. That's oh, that's a lot to take in at at, at one clip. Um, and you and you would you definitely. Uh, sparked my a, a deep interest of mine because i know that i guess the 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 way i feel like the world is moving now is this whole gluten-free era um anti-sugar um i know myself i'm doing a ketogenic diet um or i should say lifestyle uh because it's definitely something i have to live on as i'm drinking a beer um but whatever i i, I didn't i'm, I'm well on, under my carbs today um but you had mentioned the blood test um, and I don't think that most people know about that, that blood test. Um, so I don't want to say just explain it to me because you, you, you gave it briefly, but there's how, how, many, how many different food groups does it test for? It tests for 130 different items that run the range of spices to preservatives to actual foods to cosmetics to ingredients in skincare products or shampoos that somebody may be using. What we're testing for is IgG. It's an IgG food inflammation test. So an IgE response is an anaphylactic response. That's where somebody eats a peanut or gets stung by a bee and has an immediate reaction yeah. where it's obvious they need an EpiPen and that's, that corrects the problem. The IgA immunoglobulin goes out seven days. The IgG immunoglobulin peaks at 30 days. So let's say someone like you has an apple today and an apple were to show up on your test then three weeks from today, you end up having a migraine headache, and you're thinking that the migraine headache is related to something that happened that day when the migraine headache could have been the result of the apple that you ate three weeks ago. So there's no way. The IgG, the most dangerous thing about the IgG immunoglobulin that we're testing is that you can't connect the symptom that you're experiencing with that particular food that is the problem for you because it literally can be up to 30 days later that you're experiencing a reaction to that particular food. It's a simple blood test, test. It takes about a couple of minutes to perform. You fill in some circles. Then it gets sent to a lab in Boston. It takes about two weeks to get the results. And then once those results come back, it lets us know based on standard deviations whether or not somebody has a severe response, somebody has a high response or a moderate response or a mild response. But we've seen amazing things happen when people remove the high and severe culprits from this particular test. And it could range from, again, it could be a particular food that somebody thinks is healthy, 
which that food may in fact be healthy. Healthy, It just doesn't work for that person. Yeah. So it might be a, a vegetable that somebody's consuming. Myself, I had lemons and peaches and asparagus and mushrooms come back, all foods that are considered healthy. And there's nothing inherently wrong with the food. It's just that the food doesn't work from my particular biology. Now we're moving into biochemical individuality where it's not enough just to think that certain foods are healthy. We need to find which food works for our unique biochemistry because we all have fundamental similarities, but we also have some differences that this test tests for and allows us not to guess about the choices. It places an individual in the driver's seat and allows them to become the pilot of their own personal starship so that they can fly more effectively to wherever it is that they want to go. God damn. That's so, and in this test, cause that's, it's, it's incredible that they could figure that out from your blood. But in that test, does it also show you foods that might help you that are on the opposite end of the spectrum? I should say that are, that are going to be better for you or anything like that. It or? does. It does not. It only shows what responds, what increases the antibody, the IgE response, mm-hmm. the antibody response, which are severe and which are high, which are moderate, which are mild. And it just lets you know what the culprits to remove are. It will not tell you certain foods that are going to allow you to perform better. That being said, once you remove the offending culprit foods or spices, I had garlic come back on someone's test who consumes Italian food on a regular basis, and garlic, as we know, is an ingredient in a lot of those foods. I had vanilla come back for someone. So again, sometimes it's not the food. It might be an artificial coloring. It might be something like polysorbate 80, which is an ingredient. It might be BHA or BHT, which are preservatives in certain foods. A lot of the kids that are on the spectrum, they might have ADD, ADHD, Asperger's, PDD, autism. The autistic spectrum, when these culprits are removed and you have kids that are either hyperactive or underactive, when you remove these culprits from Mm -hmm. their diet and from their consumption, we find that they perform so much better that the kids that are are lower – it raises them up and the kids that are hyperactive, it slows them down and allows their body to be more into a homeostatic level mm-hmm. in, in a harmonic level as opposed to being bouncing off the walls. We find tremendous differences for these kids. That's it's just that it's not a standard test that's tested for in the medical community. People have food allergy testing done, yeah. but that's a histamine response. That's different. A food allergy test is testing – an allergy, this is an immunoglobulin test that's testing inflammation. And make no mistake about it, inflammation is at the culprit of everything. If somebody has an illness, they're inflamed. If somebody's carrying too much weight, inflammation is the problem. Mm. So the problem is not trying to get somebody to lose or release weight. If you control inflammation, you control everything. And somebody's body will naturally find its way to an appropriate weight as an effect as opposed to somebody who's trying to lose weight. Best thing to do is release weight as, as a result of getting healthy. Mm-hmm. As a result of decreasing inflammation, someone's body will always lose excess weight, as opposed to somebody who's trying to lose weight for the wrong reason, when ultimately the problem is that they're inflamed. That's the reason why their body's carrying extra weight in the first place. So you have to learn to control inflammation. Inflammation is at the, is at the foundation of everything. If you control inflammation, you get people healthy. And they will naturally lose or release 
I, I prefer the term release weight as opposed yeah, to losing weight that. because when you lose something, your subconscious mind wants to find it again. Oh, I, trust me. I don't want to find it. So we, we, want to, <laughs> we, want, we enjoy the concept of a weight release program as opposed to a weight loss program. It makes more sense. It allows people to be more effective. Keep it off. You don't want to find it back to your body exactly. Yeah. Holy shit. That's crazy. I can't believe that even like little like kids are it's having that much of an effect on just whatever they're eating because the parents are feeding it to them that it's it's affecting them and have you seen times where it's affected a child so much that they almost don't even test positive for ADD and and the easiest analogy like that, that the easiest say? example that I can give you is my own son. Because we did the test on my son, gluten came back off the charts, and you know I have two boys. This particular boy has a little bit of an edge to him, mm-hmm. and you know my wife said, "Listen, it, removing gluten is a huge responsibility, so it's a very difficult thing to do. We'll do it if we notice changes in his behavior. Mm-hmm. It'll be a lot easier for us to undergo that." job of removing gluten from a young person's diet again not an easy thing to do but clearly very quickly the behavior changes were obvious to the point where it was very clear that gluten was not something that was working for him and that by removing it from his diet we were able to notice that he was much we we noticed obvious behavior changes much more controlled yeah what was the time frame that it was quick it was within a week or two holy shit it was very fast now because I definitely think that I might be gluten intolerant, but I just feel like crap after I eat it. I don't, I don't think that – I mean there's definitely probably some more mental uh, – I lose some mental clarity and stuff like that. And, I, and I've realized that just by not eating it or eating it much, much less. But does he – do you – or does he allow himself to have a little bit of gluten? For example, if it's breaded chicken where you're not having that whole slice of bread. It's just a light breading or like a crouton and a salad or something like that. Is there a balance for – for people in that in that field, because if somebody's celiac, uh-huh. then even so much as a a single crouton in a salad can be crushing for them. Mm-hmm. The amount of gluten that can make somebody who's celiac sick can fit on the head of a pin. Oh my god! So the IgG test, as far as gluten, especially with young kids, you do the best you can. The goal is to eliminate it. Breaded chicken, or again, gluten's hidden in a lot of things. Like even soy sauce has gluten in it. But somebody really? wouldn't be thinking that there's gluten in soy sauce. There's gluten in a lot of things that people are unaware of. So the goal is to become educated, mm-hmm. find out where it's located as opposed to the obvious things like pancakes and waffles and French toast and breads. The easiest <laughs> thing – you things. know what we did? The challenge was finding breads that my son would eat. So we uh-huh. literally tried 10 gluten-free breads and found a particular company called Char, okay. which was the particular bread that he found – worked for him you know he enjoyed the best so it's just a a, a shift yeah it's so just he'll changing eat bread he just won't eat gluten yeah i mean he can have hot dog buns and hamburger buns and and sandwiches the same way that somebody else can it's just that we're making gluten-free options available to him and now more and more restaurants are also making gluten-free options available to people as the need arises yeah there are much more options if 10 10 15 years ago if you were gluten-free you had a challenge you, oh, you really time. you were you were in the dark. Yeah. But today in 2017, now there are much more there are much more people in these particular situations, and as the need arises, they make those foods more available, and that's what they've done with gluten. Mm-hmm. Now here's a question for you: because, like you said, the, it's it's definitely on the rise. 
do you think that there's a correlation as to why it's on the rise? So, for example, was there something that um, my parents may have done or that generation had done that either they had done something, whether it be drugs or things that they used in everyday household items? Um, I know, like, asbestos and stuff like that was super popular back then. Um, Are we talking specifically gluten? No, no, just in, in general. In like, general. Do, you, do you think that there's a correlation between what had happened um, generations before or is there something changing in our diets now where we have like – GMO? Yeah. Genetic G- modification. I mean let's use gluten as an example. Okay. Okay. In Europe, they use einkorn. That's the, the strain of wheat that they're using. Mm-hmm. They also use something called emmer. So einkorn and emmer were tolerated by the brain. Those are still being used in some areas today. However, in the United States, we use a strain called triticum aestivum. And the reason why we use triticum is because we can increase yield per acre and produce more of it. And it's a genetically mm-hmm. modified strain of wheat that has components in it. The problem with gluten is not gluten. The problem is is gliadin, which is a component of gluten that's in wheat. And it has an affinity for the opiate receptor in the brain. Mm -hmm. So when you eat these foods, they actually attach. They have the right shape and configuration and have the ability to attach to the opiate receptor in the brain. And that's a messenger chemical that stimulates and sends a message. It stimulates your appetite for more wheat-based products. So when somebody eats triticum, strain of wheat, which is what we have here in the US, Mm -hmm. it basically causes people to eat more and more of those products. And the effect of stimulating the opiate receptor can have tremendous consequences on anything ranging from the way somebody feels to the way somebody thinks. But it all goes back to, again, profit, generating income. We can use a strain that can be better tolerated by our bodies like Einkorn or Emmer, mm-hmm. but we cannot produce the amount of it at as little a cost as we can to Triticum. So again, it's another example of putting profit before people. Jesus. And that's what we've done. It's a, oh, com- it's a common theme across the board. Vaccinations in this country, now there's like 36 vaccines before the child is even two or three years old. We've never seen numbers like this. We've never experienced anything like this. It might have been 10 vaccines and then 20 vaccines. I believe now, again, we're up in between 30 and 40. There are some children that are predisposed to interact with some of the ingredients in some of these vaccinations. Mm -hmm. And so we need to do a better job of, of figuring out prior to somebody reacting to something like a vaccine, we need to figure out which kids are susceptible to having a reaction to a vaccine prior to giving them the vaccine. Gotcha. Now, here's another curveball to you. Do you think there's more vaccines now because we're doing things like with the wheat? um, Or do you think there's more vaccines now because we now, we for the first time ever, we have so much technology that can be um, drawn from, like like you said, the, the blood test that'll test for 130 different foods. We have so much more information now than we've ever had before. Do, and are we processing that information appropriately to determine, okay, this child needs 36 vaccinations or this child needs 32 vaccinations? Or, and our technology has helped us get there? Or do you think we're being reactive because we've screwed up the, the, the diet and the meals and, and put in these terrible things in our body? 
You hit it on the head, being reactive. The concept of if you think about healthcare, there's really four fields of healthcare. You have the treatment of disease, you have the maintenance of health, you have the prevention of illness, and then you have a fourth one called the promotion of wellness. The first three, treatment, maintenance, and prevention, are all reactive. Mm. The fourth one, the promotion of wellness, is the only one that proactively moves someone in the direction of creating health and wellness, which is really what dream wellness is all about. Dream wellness is a system that proactively, we don't treat disease, we don't maintain health because you can't maintain anything. The body's dynamic. So the whole concept of the maintenance of health is a misnomer. Yeah. It doesn't even mean anything. It doesn't make sense. Nothing gets maintained. The body's a dynamic equilibrium between sickness and health. So the term maintenance doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. The prevention of illness is moving in the right direction, but it's really early detection. It's yeah. not prevention. Yeah. So when somebody has a mammogram or somebody pre- takes a preventative uh, action, it's not promoting wellness. It's preventing illness. It's early detection so that if we detect something, we can treat it Stop more it quickly. Yeah. Right. So we have treatment, maintenance, prevention. There are very few companies whose entire mission, vision, and purpose and philosophy are fundamentally built on promoting wellness and not treatment, maintenance, or prevention. And, and that's a very unique – it places dream wellness in a very unique environment. The only thing that we're in, interested in doing is not trying to figure out what's wrong with people. We're trying to figure out what's right with people and then create more of it as opposed to treating something that's wrong. But before saying, saying that it's reactive, our technology, some of the things are out of control now. We're about to – I believe that they just released an obesity vaccine. Now they're looking at vaccines and pills for everything, manipulating biochemistry for everything. The challenge is that when you introduce those things into the human body, there are going to be reactions and, and side effects. It's really an effect, not a side effect. But there are going to be things that are happening. The technology is not – even as fast as technology is – it's not as fast as the human nervous system. It's not as fast yeah. as the biochemistry you of the body. Can't see the 20-year. We don't understand some of the things that are happening within the body. We don't have the research. The time hasn't been invested studying some of those things. And so the portion of the medical community is making it up as they go along and they're trying to do the research, but the research can't keep up. By the time they research a double-blind study, some of the things that the medical community talks about is breaking news. We were talking about 15 years ago, right? So when, when a new thing comes out and they're like, okay, well, you should try float therapy. Float therapy we found is good for you. It, there's magnesium in the water. Best way to absorb magnesium is through the skin. And float therapy increases neurotropic factor in the brain, which is a conversation in and of itself. Oh, we might touch on that because I'm very interested in it. But it's tremendous. But you know, float therapy, we were ta- telling people about float therapy years and years ago. And now all of a sudden, it's the hot thing, just like salt therapy, that you should go into a salt room and you should absorb iodine from a salt room. And you should absorb the minerals that are in the salt room. What's and a that, salt room? That's a new salt caves. You'll see these salt caves coming out now, which is basically a room that all the walls are made out of Himalayan sea salt. And people sit and meditate in these rooms and absorb the minerals from the walls. So that's not bullshit. No, they, there are benefits that are associated with that. 
Uh, no, I only and I don't say, I don't mean to say that negatively. I just see, like I feel like now it's that's like one of those like hot phases that all of a sudden it's I'm another modality. These, uh, yeah, I'm seeing all these salt lamps and people all the time. Oh, I walk in the room and there's a salt lamp. Oh, there's a salt lamp. There's a salt. Lamp. Don't get me wrong. They that is probably one of the coolest things to see. I just think that that pink rock is unbelievably interesting. But I didn't know there was actually effects to it. I just thought I heard about it and I was like, ah, that could be some mumbo jumbo. It's another modality. There. Are- there are new hot modalities, the mm-hmm. new darling of the industry coming out every every month. There's there's the next thing. But as long as they're designed toward wellness, mm-hmm. whether it be sitting – some of the benefits of sitting in a salt room might be connected to meditation, might be connected to di- disconnecting, might be connected to stretching as well as what they get and benefit from the salt. Mm-hmm. So anything like that, anytime you get a chance to disconnect from the noise – yeah. And pull yourself away from the noisy world into a private room, whether it be a float tank or a salt cave, good things are going to happen. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. There's a- Those are spokes to the wheel. I think of wellness as a hub. So if you think of a wheel and you think of the middle, the middle is the nervous system, and then you have each of the spokes coming off the wheel. Mm-hmm. And those spokes might be massage therapy. They might be float therapy. They might be salt therapy. They might be acupuncture there are all different spokes of the wheel. Good nutrition, exercise, obviously play huge roles. Mm-hmm. And there's there's spokes to the wheel. The missing link for a lot of people, again, chiropractic is very misunderstood. So yeah. if there's one area in healthcare that's really really misunderstood, it's the role of a chiropractor, which is to focus on the central nervous system, the the hub of the wellness wheel is oh, the nervous system. Yeah. It's just not something that that people are familiar with and, and aware of. Big time. The I definitely agree with that one too. Now. Sorry, that's a lot to process at one time. The um, you had touched upon flow tanks and stuff like that, nootropics. Um, so that was popular fifteen years ago. People were floating for a lot longer than fifteen years. Eli Lilly, back in the sixties, was was discovering isolation therapy. It was really called isolation therapy, which okay. was removing somebody from the noise, placing them in an isolation tank. And then allowing them through medication, through meditation, not medication, excuse me, through meditation, allowing them to unlock certain doors within the human mind to improve problem solving, to improve creativity. As a sidebar, what they're finding now is float therapy increases something called BDNF. It's called brain-derived neurotropic factor. And neurotropic factor is like fertilizer for the human brain. It's like miracle grow. Like you would put that on a plant or a lawn. If you put it on a plant or a lawn, the plant or lawn is going to do better if you put miracle mm-hmm. Grow and if you fertilize it properly. miracle Grow for the human brain is neurotropic factor. There's a competing protein called beta amyloid. And beta amyloid and neurotropic factor are inversely proportional. So the more neurotropic factor you have, the less beta amyloid. The more beta amyloid, the less neurotropic factor. We now know that beta amyloid is something that actually gets swept out of your brain when you sleep. So one of the true benefits of getting a good night's sleep is the fact that there's this internal janitor that comes in and sweeps out this beta amyloid plaque and clears it from your brain. If you don't sleep well and you don't get proper sleep and you don't sleep on a good mattress, then the beta amyloid doesn't get swept out. And people who have Alzheimer's, dementia, and Parkinson's disease, their brains are loaded with beta amyloid. So one of the best ways to remember your name as you get older 
is to make sure that you sleep well. Because if you don't sleep, your memory is going to be affected by this beta amyloid plaque. And now the beta amyloid is being linked, like I said, to Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's. Many, many disorders are being connected to the beta amyloid. Now, on the, inversely, mm. neurotropic factor is what we want. So how do you get it? To increase, to increase neurotropic factor, there's multiple ways to do it. You can take curcumin, which is the active ingredient of turmeric, mm-hmm. known for its anti-inflammatory properties used in a lot of curry. You can take resveratrol, which is from the skin of red grapes. Mm-hmm. It's one of the benefits of drinking red wine. I Potent antioxidant. So you got resveratrol. You got curcumin. You also have exercise, vitamin D, sunlight, float therapy. These are all ways to increase neurotropic factor in the brain. Again, that's what allows for miracle grow. That allows you to age gracefully. That allows as somebody gets older for their brain to still fully function and for their circuitry to be sharp so that it doesn't have this beta amyloid plaque bogging you down. It doesn't create that brain fog. Mm. Beta amyloid is like brain fog. It's like what people experience when they eat gluten and they just feel like they're foggy. They feel like they're not clear. Yeah, like they think. just feel foggy. And when you eliminate, whether it be the gluten or when you increase BDNF and you drop the beta amyloid by getting restful night's sleep, make sh- making sure you're sleeping on a high-quality mattress that isn't loaded with chemicals. Again, I'll touch on that in a second because that's the R portion of dream. We talk about good sleep. Mm-hmm. So when people are talking about good sleep, they're not thinking about beta amyloid. That was a little sard- sidebar that I threw in there. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest concerns that I have about getting a restful night's sleep is that there's a federal mandate law in the United States that you must have a flame retardant material within your mattress. Mm-hmm. And that flame retardant material is loaded with petrochemicals, including formaldehyde, which is why when you sleep year after year, you don't feel as rested. When you wake up in the morning and you should have a burst of physical and emotional energy, you feel tired right from the beginning of the day. And people are like, why? Why is it that I feel exhausted right when I wake up when I should have tons of energy? Yeah. And the reason why is because your mattress is loaded with chemicals. There's only a few mattress companies in the world, let alone in North America, that actually allow you with a letter of medical necessity from a health professional to remove that flame retardant material that has those chemicals in it and it and you're allowed to wrap your mattress in a material called cellient, C-E-L-L-I-A-N-T. And cellient is amazing. Cellient is a responsive textile that basically captures the energy that the human body gives off. Mm-hmm. And it harnesses and brings it back inside the body. So it's like the closest thing to sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber without spending $50,000 on a, on a chamber. So salient is what we want our mattress wrapped in. A company called Bioposture out of Long Beach creates mattresses like that. And there's a company in Canada called Iron Man that also allows you to bypass that flame retardant material. But those companies offer memory foam mattresses that do not have these petrochemicals in them and when you sleep on one of those mattresses when you wake up in the morning you'll feel like you had a restful night's sleep do you have one of these i do i sleep on a bio posture god damn i gotta get me one of these the uh, i haven't been sleeping everything that i recommend i use so if i'm recommending a mattress i sleep on it if i recommend nutraceuticals which i recommend all the time again another gray area a lot of people are taking supplements and nutraceuticals that they have no idea whether or not they work or whether or not they don't work If I can give you one piece of information for anybody who's listening, the dead giveaway on whether or not you have a high-quality supplement is to check folic acid and check B12. If it says folic acid, it's a weak supplement. 
If it says 5-MTHF, that's the active form of folic acid called methyl tetrahydrofolate. 5-MTHF means that you have a black belt supplement. If it says folic acid, that means you have a white belt supplement. If you look at B12 and it says cyanocobalamin, that's a white belt supplement. If it says methylcobalamin, that's a black belt supplement. So always check folic acid and B12. If you want a black belt supplement, which means a supplement that is going to deliver a clinical effect and make a difference for you biochemically, then you want 5-MTHF as your folic acid and you want methylcobalamin as your B12, period. Jesus. Most people, if you look at folic acid and you look at B12, you will see that your folic acid is regular folic acid in active form which is like you speaking English and you're taking a supplement that speaks Japanese. So the supplement goes in, it tries to communicate to an English-speaking person, Japanese, and then the body doesn't allow and doesn't process the information. It just goes right out. Because it's not that you are what you eat or you are what you take in. It's what your body gets from what you eat and what you take in. It must be absorbed and assimilated into the system, which means that the nutraceutical or the supplement must be in the right language. Otherwise, you have to have English to English or Japanese to Japanese. If you have English to Japanese, it's not going to deliver a clinical effect. And we can demonstrate that with a meta-oxy test. We can demonstrate it with a blood test. So when somebody comes in and they're taking supplements and I want to know whether or not their supplements are delivering what they think they're delivering, we test it. We don't guess. So you'll you'll take that vitamin or nutrient and just – Go send it to a lab? No, we can do a meta-oxy test. It's a urine test right in the office. We can determine whether or not there's the presence of aldehydes in the urine, which show that the cell walls themselves have been breached and that there are aldehydes leaking from inside the cells out into the urine. It's an easy urine test that somebody could actually buy a meta-oxy test on Google. It's $15. You could buy one yourself and test yourself. And you can find out whether or not your cells are healthy or whether or not your cell walls have holes in them. And the nutrients that should be remaining inside your cells are leaking out. And there's a way to test that. It's very easy to test that. And then we can go further into obviously testing blood. But the meta-oxy test is a great way to determine whether or not someone supplements, whether or not they're omega fatty acids. A lot of people are talking about omega fatty acids. If I could yeah. touch on that for a second. Yeah, go for it, man. I'm, I'm- omega-3s, omega-6s, omega-9s. You know, people heard that you should eat fish. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of people eating farm-raised fish, which costs about $7 a pound, as opposed to eating wild fish, which costs $17 a pound. The farm-raised fish is fed genetically modified corn and soy, which means that if you consume those fish, you're consuming genetically modified corn and soy, as opposed to eating wild fish. And within wild fish, there's all different levels, from white belt to black belt. You got wild Atlantic, wild Pacific, wild coho, wild sockeye, wild, wild king, wild copper river. Those are all different levels of omega fatty acids that are present in just wild salmon by itself. Oh, shit. So you got to eat wild fish. Wild fish is the easiest way to get those omega-3s, critical for the brain and the heart. EPA for the heart, DHA for the brain, critical. That's the one thing that if somebody doesn't eat fish, you have to take a nutraceutical, high-quality EPA and DHA daily, along with a daily probiotic. There are certain things that are non-negotiable. Taking an EPA, DHA, and omega-3, high-quality omega-3 supplement for your heart and your brain, a high-quality probiotic, and a high-quality multivitamin that is methylated. We want a methylated nutraceutical, which means 5-MTHF for the folic acid and methylcobalamin for the B12 at a minimum. 
If you have a high quality methylated nutraceutical, a multivitamin, multimineral, then you have your omega-3, EPA, and DHA, and then you have a high quality probiotic. Minimum first month, 100 billion, at least 10 strains. After that first 30 days, the sweet spot would be between 10 and 15 billion. That's billion with a B, not million. Billion. So 100 billion for the first 30 days. or... 100 billion bacteria. Okay, that's The, the actual right. number of, of, of beneficial bacteria that are in the probiotic, a minimum of 10 strains, 100 billion for the first 30 days, 10 to 15 billion daily. 100 billion every day? Every day for the first 30 days. Holy shit. Yep, people are walking around with IBS, irritable and inflammatory bowel, Crohn's disease, colitis, constipation, diarrhea. Everything is involved with the gut. If you get the gut healthy, again, it's all about inflammation. If you remove the inflammation from the gut, you remove inflammation from the brain, and you unlock the vault. You, you're unlocking someone's wellness vault. It's through digestion. Everything goes through digestion. So you got to get the digestive system healthy. There's more immune receptors in the digestive system than there are in the immune system. So the way to unlocking wellness is through the gut. It's through getting the digestive system working properly, which means high-quality probiotics, fermented foods, whether Sour it be kefir, kimchi, kombucha, sauerkraut. Kombucha. Fermented foods are the easiest way to increase probiotics and then to provide the food that the probiotics feed on, which are those prebiotics called FOS, fruct- fructooligosaccharides. That's the food that, that beneficial bacteria feed on. So, so you, what are the, what are, you put a prebiotic into the body, you put a probiotic into the body, and you eat. You're shifting away from your starches. You're shifting away from your refined carbs, from your sugars, from your yeast, which are all the things that the bad bacteria feed on. What are some prebiotics, like foods, for example? The easiest way to take a prebiotic is, is a nutraceutical type. Again, you're not going to be able to eat the amount of probiotics that you would need that I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Unless somebody eats fermented foods on a regular basis, they're not getting the volume of beneficial bacteria. Mm-hmm. So the easiest way is to supplement with a high-quality probiotic, high-quality nutraceutical. Again, the numbers, most people, when I speak to them, they're telling me they're taking either 500 million, sometimes 1 billion. I've heard some people take 10 billion. But initially, to recreate the microbiome, which is that area of the body. The microbiome is the entire gut. You have to populate that. And we also recommend, it's it's also a good idea to get an oil change. It's a good idea to get something like a colon hydrotherapy session, a colonic, mm-hmm. to clear out the system so that when you repopulate with healthy probiotics, it would be like putting, you get taking your car for an oil change, you know, and you're putting good oil into existing bad oil. Something like colon hydrotherapy allows you to clean out the bad so that then you can repopulate with the right stuff. It gives somebody a fresh start. Jesus. It's a good tool. That's incredible. So you're just, you're just taking supplements to help increase your whole gut biome completely, and then you can have the fermented foods. Now, what are... It's a battle for terrain. Yeah. So remember, the bad guys feed on your starches. They feed on sugars. They feed on flour. So when somebody's eating the standard American diet, just think of the acronym for the standard American diet, SAD, right? The acronym is SAD because the diet is SAD. But if you were to try and create the perfect diet, people are overloaded with candida. They're overloaded with yeast. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the way people live and you look at their dietary choices and their nutritional choices, 
they're creating the perfect environment for the yeast and the bad bacteria to flourish. Yeah. You couldn't come up with a better diet than the standard American diet if you want to. what is considered in the standard American diet? You know, the same, the things that people eat, hamburgers, hot dogs, bread, flour, sugar, cereal, juice, soda, you know, your standard things that people consume on a regular basis. What's your thoughts on apple cider? Apple cider vinegar? No, regular apple cider. I know apple cider vinegar is healthy as could be, apparently. Apple cider vinegar is great, and the best one is Bragg's with the mother. That's the specific one that I recommend because it has the sediment that's at the bottom of the bottle. Mm -hmm. So whenever people ask me about apple cider vinegar, I always recommend Paul Bragg's apple cider vinegar with the mother. And you can add some into warm water with some lemon or some lime and a little bit of honey, raw honey, take out the bite. I wouldn't recommend drinking it straight. First of all, it's very potent. And it's yeah. got a, you know, it's, it's so strong it, it can take, take that. it can, it can, it can actually affect the uh, color of your teeth if you drink it straight. Yeah, I've heard that too. But mixing it with some warm water and some lemon or lime with, with a hint of some raw honey, apple cider vinegar. Raw honey is okay? Yeah. As a sweetener, it's a, it's a decent option. Okay. I yeah. got you. What's your if somebody's going to use, you know, if somebody's going to use sweeteners or get you know, high quality raw honey, spe- specifically Manuka, M-A-N-U-K-A. Manuka mm-hmm. honey is uh, from New Zealand, and it has very, very potent antibacterial, antifungal, antimicrobial capability. It actually wow. has a numerical value on it, which will give you a unique Manuka factor, um, which will let you know the potency of that particular type of honey. Holy shit. So it's a very, very high-quality honey. If somebody's going to use honey in, let's say, tea or coffee or, or as an alternative sweetener, mm-hmm. um, the other thing that I recommend would be stevia. Or stavia, yep. based on yep. how you pronounce it. So but do you do an any herb. agave nectar or anything like that, or that's a no-go, that's all processed garbage? Yeah, the agave seems to be very similar to regular table sugar, especially as it affects the glycemic index. Really? I, I've seen en- I've heard enough it. mixed reviews about agave and agave nectars to to put flag. them in the same class as, as sugar. And wow. sugar has so many different names. I mean, it goes by evaporated cane juice, yeah, um, table a, sugar, sucrose. I think I said there's a f- approximately fructose 50 is obviously different fruit names. sugar. But if you think of fructose and fruit sugar, when it's combined within a fruit, it has the it's fiber yeah. and the protein or whatever's in the fruit, typically high levels of fiber, mm-hmm. to protect against you know increasing your blood sugar levels. Yeah. So it's always better when it's packaged with fiber in a fruit as opposed to somebody who's consuming sugar. I know people usually put sugar in their coffee, put sugar in their tea, and then you have the worst kinds of sweeteners, which are um, the artificial sweeteners, whether they be NutraSweet or Splenda or some of the uh, concoctions that we've created, potent, potent neurotoxins. Splenda, which is another sweetener, um, can have disaster effects on, on the nervous system. Jesus. They're potent neurotoxins. Now, now, that's and by the way, a lot of people think Splenda is uh, is healthy. Yeah, I believe that Splenda is is the brand name for sucralose. Again, another man made sweet sweetening yeah. agent. I've heard uh, I've heard rumors, and I've looked it up briefly. And there's uh, there's a lot of uh, jarble in this, but the reason why Splenda is so popular is because they donate millions of dollars to the Red Cross, and the Red Cross kind of um, supports them in their efforts of making an artificial sweetener, but I've heard it's unbelievably terrible for you. Yeah, there's a lot of companies that that uh, you know. You look at Ronald McDonald House and some of the charity work that they do. There's you look at some of the charity work that Coca Cola does. Uh-huh. 
And then you sit back and you look at the, and you analyze the nature of the products that are generating the income that's allowing them to do some of the things that they do. You know, that's, that's the world we live in. I gotcha. Now I got one more question. I got another question for you. So you take all these probiotics to jump back to probiotics and stuff like that. You're taking all these probiotics, prebiotics, you got everything going on for you. You go out one night and I'm using this as an example as for me, for example, you go out one night, you start, you start boozing a lot. Does that ruin your gut biome? Does that like completely wipe it out? How does alcohol affect your stomach in that regard? Like you just work so hard to build up this entire um, uh, biodome of or biodiversity in your stomach to work on these these probiotics and things like that. If you go out, what is is there a limit on booze? Or I mean, obviously that you'd probably recommend no booze. Um, to keep in uh, pinnacle health. My wife just sent me a message that said drinking tequila is good for your bones. <laughs> There's it. a new study that's being done on tequila and how it benefits, you know, it helps strengthen mm-hmm. the matrix of the bone structure of the body. So drinking tequila now is healthy. So now people are going to go out and do 12 shots of tequila thinking that they're making a healthy choice. Oh, I'm licking my lips. But in terms of uh, the microbiome, the microbiome is a very sensitive thing. And it's just one of those areas that people don't talk about. You know, mm-hmm. some people, whether they're dealing with constipation, whether they're dealing with IBS, or you're irritable or inflammatory bowel, the levels of Crohn's disease and colitis are, are off the charts. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, if somebody goes out and goes on a drinking binge or somebody takes a round of antibiotics, it is going to have a negative effect on the microbiome. It's going to destroy levels of bacteria. There are more bacteria in the gut than there are cells in the human body. There's research that shows that there's more bacteria in the gut than there are stars in the universe. So we're dealing with numbers that are beyond our comprehension. But there's no question that if somebody goes on a drinking binge or somebody goes for a round of antibiotics, I can't tell you how many times somebody tells me that they've been on rounds of antibiotics, but the medical doctor has not recommended a probiotic protocol following their antibiotic regimen. And that's simply unacceptable. If somebody's going to go on a round of antibiotics or somebody's going to go on drinking binges, they're going to have to replenish those probiotics, whether it be through eating fermented foods or taking a high-quality nutraceutical. A high-quality nutraceutical is usually going to have numbers and strains, a wide diversity of strains that food will not be able to match. It's just that you have to know which companies to use, like any, any business – there are good farm- nutraceutical companies. I say nutraceutical like like a nutritional version of a pharmaceutical. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm using supplement and nutraceutical interchangeably. However, nutraceuticals tend to be a higher quality product than traditional supplements that people take. Mm. And okay. so, you know, it's it's going to be critically important for somebody, and they're going to notice typically how you feel, whether it be with the hangover or whether it be how you notice your digestion is after, whether it be antibiotics or after a drinking binge. The body's going to communicate. It's going to give you indicator signals that's going to let you know something's not right. The challenge is that most of the time when the body gives us indicator signals, we don't listen, mm-hmm. and we try and take something to cover up the indicator signal. It would be like mm-hmm. driving down the street – with your car and a light goes on on your dashboard to let you know that you need to take your vehicle in for a checkup. But because you're driving and that light bothers you, you take a piece of tape, you put it over the light on the dashboard (laughs) and you continue to drive and now you can't see the light. So you think that everything's okay with your vehicle. 
That's exactly what people do with the human body. We are vehicles. There's, I mean, the body is what gets around, gets your brain around. Damn. It's just at some point it makes sense to remove the piece of tape, notice the indicator signal, open up the book, figure out what the indicator signals communicating to you, which area of the vehicle needs to be evaluated, and then bring the vehicle to the appropriate professional for evaluation have that particular situation remedied and corrected so that you can get your vehicle back on the road and go about your business rather than trying to put a piece of tape over it and covering it, covering it up. And I think in 2017, no longer, people are starting to learn. People are starting to recognize that the concept of a pill for every ill and that people are starting to recognize that taking medicine for every little thing that shows up doesn't get to the root of correcting the problem. Yeah. The concept of covering up symptoms as opposed to creating health and wellness within the body, the concept of building health inside someone's body is starting to become more well-known for people. People are starting to recognize that if I have a fever, maybe I have a fever for a reason mm-hmm. and that my body's trying to communicate something to me and that if I shut off that communication message, then it puts me out of tune with what my, my body is attempting to tell me. Mm-hmm. People are starting to become more aware of some of the things that we've been talking about for a long time as people become more familiar with with the whole concept of building health and promoting wellness as opposed to treating an area of the body that's breaking down and not evaluating their lifestyle. Dream Wellness, we do one of the hardest things, which is helping someone evaluate their lifestyle and make lifestyle changes so that these symptoms and these indicator signals don't continue to keep showing up, mm-hmm. which is requiring them to continue to treat their body with medications and dangerous antibiotics that are further making it more difficult for their body to perform well. Every time you put medication and antibiotics into the body to treat something, you're weakening the body. Mm-hmm. You're making it more and more difficult for the body to build health and wellness. So the concept of the pill for every ill is fading That's the way it used to be done. Mm -hmm. The future is going to be all about how can I manage my lifestyle in such a way that's going to enable me to find that sweet spot between enjoying my life and making good decisions and making good choices, right? Because even if you're health-oriented, you want to go out and have a margarita, right? You don't want to be so strict and so regimented that it becomes unfun for somebody to eat. Mm-hmm. Or every time they go to a restaurant, they, they have to worry about every little thing because they're so health conscious. It's like being so health conscious can make you sick too. Yeah, You have to find that sweet spot between making good decisions, making healthy choices, and obviously enjoying the things that we want to enjoy. Everybody loves a beer every now and then, but there's a difference between having a beer and having 24 of them. And so a lot of people, when they drink, they also tend to be social smokers. Mm-hmm. So when somebody engages in one of these activities, very commonly, it's not just a single activity. Very commonly, it's Snowball. one, two, three. Next thing you know, they're doing three or four different things that can crush them. And so those behaviors, taking a look at those behaviors and helping people to analyze what they're doing. What, what I created was a dream challenge, which is like a score sheet for people. And it allows them on a daily basis to basically create a point system for the, the beneficial choices, for the good choices. So mm-hmm. if they have a good night's sleep or if they stretch or if they receive a chiropractic adjustment or if they receive a massage, they're evaluating or they, if they exercise that particular day or if they make good food choices, they eat smaller portions, that I'm having them keep track 
like an accountability partner of the choices that they're making. Because I found that things that get measured get improved. If somebody measures the choices that they're making and they're, they're more aware of the choices that they're making, they tend to make better choices. I believe that control follows awareness. So if somebody wants to gain control of any particular situation, becoming aware of the choices that they're making is the first step. Jesus. Now – And by the way, earlier you asked me about a prebiotic. Yeah. As opposed to you know a food version of a prebiotic as opposed to taking a prebiotic supplement. Yeah. The main prebiotic that you'll find in food is called inulin. Okay. So if you see inulin very commonly in a certain food, it's like a chicory root fiber. That tends to be a prebiotic type food that probiotics will feed on, and certain foods will have that. For example, what are there any fruits and vegetables that'll have that, or it has to be a processed food to be added in? Yeah, no, it? no. The processed foods won't have it. They'll tend to be healthier foods that are higher in fiber, uh-huh. and you'll see it as chicory root. Sometimes it goes by chicory root. Sometimes it goes by the name inulin, I-N-U-L-I-N. But I still recommend for FOS, fructo-oligosaccharides, FOS are the premier nutraceutical prebiotic that probiotics feed on. So by taking an FOS nutraceutical, you're basically laying down the food into the digestive tract first Mm -hmm. so that when you take the probiotics – then the probiotics will consume the FOS that's already in there, and that will enable the beneficial bacteria to multiply. And again, we need numbers that are far beyond. A lot of times people will come in, they eat yogurt, but the yogurt's loaded with sugar. Yeah. So if it's just I'm because somebody's eating boring. yogurt and they heard that yogurt has probiotics in it, the amount of probiotics that are in that yogurt, especially if it has sugar in it, are just simply not going to be – enough. Not only enough in volume, but are not going to have the wide diversity of strains Mm -hmm. that the human microbiome requires because it's a battle for territory. You have the probiotics competing against things like yeast, and the yeast is trying to push the probiotics out. It's like a timeshare. They're each trying to take over the terrain. And the yest will live in your stomach? The yeast, small and large intestine. Okay. So when I'm talking about the gut, I'm talking about the small and large intestine. I gotcha. So, yeah, the yeast is fighting the probiotic for control of the terrain. So based on our lifestyle choices, we want to do everything that we can to help the beneficial probiotics win that battle. And through our poor nutritional choices, for a lot of people, they are overloaded with candida, overloaded with candida. And now, fortunately for those people, there are protocols where you can go and pull up online and you'll see the anti-candida diet and how to destroy yeast, Mm -hmm. which is basically to starve them. Easiest way to destroy yeast and remove candida is to cut off their food supply, which are all the things that everybody (laughs) loves. So all the chocolate cake and all the ice cream sundaes and all the Burger King and all the McDonald's and all the soda and all the pancakes, waffles, French toast, all the refined carbohydrates that everybody's consuming are the lifeblood and the lifeline for these candida to flourish and proliferate in the digestive system. You got to cut the lifeline off. You got to cut the the things that feed them. Cut them off. That's crazy. And so we we're again, we're in charge. 
through our own choices. We have the ability to provide the body with what it needs. If we want the probiotics to multiply, we know which foods will allow that to take place, specifically fermented foods like we talked about earlier, whether it be kimchi, kombucha, kefir, sauerkrauts. Those are the foods that are designed to help create the, through the fermentation process or help are going to help those probiotics flourish and multiply. Now, when you say sauerkraut and things like that and kimchi, do you... And health food stores have them now. Oh, yeah. You know, but Whole do you food recommend like um, the, uh, what is it, the Sabert, the S-A-B-R-A-T, Sabrat, the whatever, the hot dog company, do you recommend their sauerkraut or do you recommend... No, high quality, organic, well-made. You know, and, and there are homemade you know, recipes for making homemade sauerkrauts. Okay. Um, you know, you have to always be careful with a lot of the brand named foods, the th- foods that people think of, even like, let's say, Dannon or Play. when people are thinking about yogurt mm-hmm. and people are thinking about high quality yogurts, those are not what I'm referring to. Yeah. I'm obviously referring to high quality, organic, preferably grass fed dairy, mm-hmm. which again is a whole conversation in and of itself. If I could touch on that for a second. Go for it, man. Dairy's That's a biggie. Here for. Dairy's a biggie because everybody says milk does a body good. And that's a huge topic of conversation for people because they don't know what to drink. Yeah. Now you got regular milk, you got 2% milk, you got skim milk, you got organic milk. But now there's a whole differentiating factor, which is the difference between A1 and A2 cow's milk. So the real difference between A1 and A2 was basically, without getting too complex, the protein that's in milk is called casein. Okay. And casein is basically – think of a long-chained necklace that has 209 amino acids in length. Okay, That's what creates that protein. Proteins are, are built from amino acids. Mm-hmm. Thousands of years ago, there was a mutation that occurred at number 67 where an amino acid called proline mutated into histidine. Proline was the original amino acid that was in A2 cows. So A2 cow's milk has proline at number 67. A1 cow's milk has histidine, which is a different amino acid at number 67. Doesn't seem like it'd be a big thing to have one different amino acid out of 209 of them. Mm-hmm. But it turned out that at number 67, when proline mutated into histidine, that difference was enormous because it turned A2 cow's milk into A1 cow's milk. The difference is that A2 keeps BCM7, beta-caseomorphin-7, out of the milk. A1 has BCM7 in the milk. So proline had a strong attachment to BCM7 and kept it out of the cow's milk. Histidine does not have a strong attachment to BCM7. So beta-caseomorphin-7 ends up in the cow's milk of A1 cows. And therein lies the problem. BCM7 has been linked to everything from MS, to fibromyalgia, to lupus, to autism, to cancer, to heart disease, and on and on and on. So now what you're going to see when you go to the supermarket is you're going to see milk that says A2 on the front. Some supermarkets already have it. It'll say right on there. Right on the front, it'll say A2. And people are going to look at it and go, A2, what does that mean? A2 milk is the milk that does not have BCM7 in it. That's the milk that you want to drink. Mm-hmm. A1 cow's milk has BCM7 in it. And by the way, all of the organic milk that people drink that has no antibiotics and no hormones, 
is all A1 cow's milk. So even though it has no antibiotics and no hormones in it, that organic milk still has BCM7. It still has beta caseomorphin 7 in that milk, which is a major, major problem for a lot of people, whether they know it or whether they don't know it. So again, A2 cow's milk is our friend. Yep. Certain supermarkets like the Fresh Market, which is one of the supermarkets that's in Smithtown, already, already has it on the shelf, except it's always out. Because I think people are aware or learning about what I'm sharing with your audience right now is that if you are going to drink cow's milk, and I do not drink cow's milk, but if you're going to drink cow's milk, you should drink the right cow's milk, which is the original cow's milk from cows like the New Jersey cows and the Asian cows and the African cows. Those were the older cows that had the A2 milk. The newer cows called Holstein's have the A1 milk. So even if it's organic, it could be a major, major problem for a lot of people. The reason why people drink milk is because of advertising and marketing, the American Dairy Association, huge, huge money involved. And people ask me, why don't I drink milk? Because, you know, they're thinking that milk is loaded with calcium. So where are you going to get your calcium from? And it's like, if you look at a gorilla, a gorilla eats grass. Mm -hmm. A gorilla doesn't drink milk. And a gorilla has the strongest bones on earth. So where do you think they get their calcium from? Yeah. So if you eat green leafy vegetables, if you're consuming things like broccoli or spinach or kale, raw nuts and raw seeds, lentils, beans, you won't have to worry about consuming calcium. The calcium that's in milk is very, very poorly absorbed. It gets tied up tied up with uh, things that are in the milk that interfere with absorption. So even though milk has calcium in it, again, it's not you are what you eat. It's what your body gets from what you eat. So as a dietary source of calcium, cow's milk comes with a host of other challenges that preclude it from being something that's part of my regular diet. I prefer to get my calcium from vegetables, the same place that animals in nature get their calcium from. So you don't eat any milk? I do not drink any cow's milk. You just I drink non-dairy milks like coconut milk, okay. almond milk, hemp milk, cashew milk, quinoa milk. Now there's non-dairy associated. Yeah, now there's non-dairy alternatives more than we've ever seen before. So do you eat yogurt or no? Depends on the yogurt. I I don't really love the taste of yogurt. Okay. So it's more of a taste issue than a health issue. But if I was going to consume yogurt, they make Greek style yogurts that have no sugar in them. Mm -hmm. So some of these yogurts come with fruit in them, but the fruit, because it's sitting in the yogurt, putrefies and becomes acid. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's going to choose to add fruit to yogurt, buy a plain high quality yogurt and then add fruit into it as Mm. opposed to buying yogurt that has fruit already in it because that fruit from sitting in the yogurt has putrefied and tends to be more acidic in nature. Oh my goodness. If that makes sense. And when I'm talking about acid versus alkaline, you know, the neutral, neutral blood pH is between 7.2, 7.3, seven is acidic. You know, anything less than seven is going to be acid base acid and anything greater than seven is going to be more alkaline yeah so you want your body to be more alkaline. we want our body to be more alkaline because illness and yeast and the bad bugs and bad bacteria cannot survive they don't like an alkaline environment they like acid environments yeah the highly toxic environment yeah they like no oxygen and they like acid when they come in contact with an environment that's alkaline and full of oxygen from somebody who's eating the right foods and exercising, mm-hmm. they do not like that environment. That's why people who don't exercise and eat the wrong foods 
their terrain becomes much more susceptible to the bad guys. They're getting sick all the time. Because the environment is perfect for them. You're welcoming bacteria and virus into the body when you do the wrong things. When you engage in improper lifestyle choices, you're creating an environment within the body that has no oxygen and where the pH is very, very low. Mm-hmm. Their body's very acidic. That's why people drink and why we recommend people drink alkaline water because it has a higher pH and it creates an environment in the body that's not only hydrating, but with that higher pH comes oxygen. Mm-hmm. And bugs and bacteria, they do not like oxygen. So the more your body becomes oxygenated, whether it be through deep breathing or whether it be through exercise or whether it be through sleeping on the right mattress, you're creating an environment that's inhospitable for the bad guys, which makes perfect sense. No, absolutely. Damn, that was a lot of information. I'm going to have to listen to this at least two or three times. The A2 versus A1 is a huge one. There's a great book by Keith Woodford. It's called The Devil in the Milk. And in that book, Keith explains everything that I just shared in much more detail. It's just a matter of how do you get your hands on A2 milk. You'll start noticing it on the shelves in the supermarkets more and more often as people start asking about it, as people start inquiring. How do I get my hands on A2 milk? Then there's the question about should your milk be raw? Should it be homogenized? Because I believe that raw milk, you have to be, you know, there's only a few places where you're able to get raw milk. Certain places, raw milk is, it's it's not even legal to drink raw milk. You have to go out of your way to try and find milk that's raw and is non non-homogenized and, and, and in its natural state, yeah. which is going to be much healthier than milk that isn't. Wow. But A2 cow's milk, grass-fed, mm-hmm. recommended. Again, anything grass-fed, whether you're talking about butter, whether you're talking about cheese, whether you're talking about milk, always, always better to consume a grass-fed product than a grain-fed product. The other thing that you get with the grass-fed product is CLA, conjugated linoleic acid, which is a beautiful fat burner actually converts fat tissue, adipose tissue, into lean muscle mass. And CLA is only found in grass-fed products. It is not found in grain-fed products. Wow. So always grass-fed is going to be a better option, whether you're talking grass-fed A2 cow's milk, mm-hmm. whether you're talking about grass-fed cheese like Kerrygold, pasture-raised cheese, yep, yep. or whether you're talking about grass-fed butter, always going to have a very yolk. It's going to look like a, the, the yolk of an egg. Yeah, it's going to be very yellow. Very different color than yep. grain-fed butter. The so so to to I don't want to say bring it home, but to kind of bring it full circle. Why do you think to get to more of a philosophical type of conversation? Why do you think that we've gone from a very poor lifestyle choice uh, with a sad the sad American diet um, to now you see more of the world and the country moving towards a healthier lifestyle can you tri- is there do you think there's anything to attribute that to is that the is that from the internet and finally people are starting to realize without a doubt technology people have access to information um, it's a combination of different factors but you cannot deny the fact that if somebody wants to learn about grass-fed a2 cow's milk they can just type it into google mm-hmm. and we now have the world information the world's information at our fingertips we hold it in the palm of our hands So people have access to information that they've never had before. And ultimately, I believe that the truth prevails. So ultimately, I think that eventually 
you know, understanding some of these differences. Nobody was talking about A2 and A1 cow's milk. Mm-hmm. And then Woodford l- releases that book. And now, all of a sudden, people are hearing that there's different types of beta casein A1 and beta casein A2. And yet you have an entire population of people who are consuming organic A1 milk, thinking that they're making a good choice and then wondering why they have asthma and allergies and then they need medications to treat their asthma and allergies when if they would just switch the milk that they were drinking, their allergies would go away and their asthma would go away and they would remove what's Mm. creating the asthma and the allergies in the first place. So with technology, with the creation of the internet, having access to the information, huge factor. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I believe that the truth prevails and people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. People are trying, you know, they're recognizing that what they've done, the choices that they're making have a, a huge impact on the way their brain works, on their flexibility, on their strength, how they sleep, the nature of their relationships. If you're not healthy, Regardless of what you're doing, well, you know, there's a lot of people that they think finances are the most important thing in the life. But if you've ever been around somebody who's not healthy, everything else takes a back seat when you oh, lose yeah. your health. And if you don't have, you know, health is wealth. If, you, if you're healthy, regardless of what you're doing, it improves your relationships. It increases every single aspect of your performance and your potential as a human being. We just can't stick our heads in the sand anymore and, and think of, you know what? People do the best they can with the resources that they have available. So it's things like this, like this podcast. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to be listening to this podcast who's dealing with a certain health challenge. And if somebody applied what I just spent 45 minutes sharing with you, close. if somebody applied a fraction of some of the things that we just discussed, they would clearly notice change. Yeah. If they applied a few of the things that I discussed, they could – change their entire experience going forward. They could recreate the nature of how they're aging because aging is nothing more than cellular division. Mm -hmm. So the quicker you make photocopies of your cells, the quicker the further photocopy looks different than the original. Mm -hmm. So if you can slow down the rate of cellular division, which is everything that I just discussed, basically that's what it does. Mm -hmm. It slows down the rate at which you age. gives you more time with your kids. Have you heard of sulforaphane? course okay all right good I, I i figured you probably have but i know a, that's that's it's a, a monster it's yeah, tremendous it's a rapidly growing and that's and, why that's why you got to eat your broccoli man yep, broccoli and broccoli sprouts cabbage broccoli the sprouts, sprouts are even huge. higher in sulforaphane but sulforaphane is a major anti-cancer fighter yeah it, it again addresses the terrain of the body a great book by dr david servin schreiber called anti-cancer and in that book he talks about some of the huge you know, from a food perspective, how to address the terrain of the body and create an environment within the human body that basically doesn't allow cancer to survive. Mm-hmm. And sulforaphane is one of the things talks a lot about curcumin. Yeah, curcumin's curcumin. a monster. I, I try to take curcumin whenever I can. You know, the key um, about curcumin is to unlock to unlock the potential of curcumin. It has to be combined with black pepper and olive oil. Yep, that unlocks the capability. Olive of Olive oil of the too. I knew it was black pepper. Yeah. The oil is is the transfer molecule that allows the curcumin to move into the cell within the Ooh, human body. I didn't know that. So black pepper, piperine, which is in black pepper, uh-huh. and oil as the transfer basically increases the bioavailability of curcumin by about two thousand percent. Oh my goodness. 
All right. So I'm doing a shot of olive oil every time I take a pill. And next time we'll have a conversation about oils. We'll talk about which oils you can cook with, which oils that you should use raw, because a lot of people still cook them with olive oil. That's a very low smoke point. Olive oil should be used in its raw state. If you're going to cook, you got to use coconut oil or yeah. avocado oil. Yep. All right, so I got one last final question for you because we're, we're rolling through We'll this. just keep going, man. Oh, my God. We, I could, <laughs> with, for a topic like this, I can go on forever. And, and I know that pe- people are going to be like, dude, I'd listen to that two, three times to write everything down, whatever it is. And that's, that's what I, I want people to listen to it and, and really absorb a lot from it. But I do have a very more targeted question uh, because this affects uh, a good handful of people I do know. Um, how do people with Crohn's disease help get better? Because I know people that they're taking pills like Michael Jackson did. I mean, a two dozen, three dozen pills a day. They're getting treatment. They're going to get the, um, not dialysis, but they're going to get a treatment of, um, of whatever kind of stuff they put in your veins and stuff like that. Is there, because I know you touched on it briefly, but what is a regiment or something that they could do to help improve their their Crohn's disease, because some people I know have attacks and it just hits them like a ton of bricks. Yeah, the treatment for Crohn's typically is using some form of biologic drug, uh, which which basically is a drug that's designed to control a protein called tumor, tumor necrosis factor alpha, okay. TNFA. And so they might use an infusion like Remicade or they might self-inflict with a pen mm-hmm. uh, using something like Humira. A lot of different medications, and it's it's a major, major money player for the medical industry, mm-hmm. right? The Crohn's and colitis is Crohn's disease, again, just inflammation of the small intestine, colitis, inflammation of the large intestine. Anything that ends in itis, mm-hmm. right, is just inflammation. So we name the inflammation based on where it's located. Oh, that's interesting. So if TNF-alpha aggravates somebody's knee, we call it osteoarthritis. If tumor necrosis factor alpha affects somebody's spine, we call it ankylosing spondylitis. Mm-hmm. If that protein inflames somebody's large intestine, we call it colitis. And if it attacks the small intestine, we call it Crohn's disease. The underlying theme is how do we control inflammation? The question that you asked me, which is what's the regimen for somebody that has Crohn's disease, you've basically asked me, how do you control inflammation? Because if you learn so to control everything. inflammation, regardless of where it presents itself, Again, we just name it based on its location, Mm -hmm. but the underlying theme, the underlying culprit is how do we control inflammation in someone's body? Anybody that has any type of digestive disorder like Crohn's disease or colitis, they have to be evaluated for gluten and casein right off the bat. So the concept of a GFCF, gluten-free, casein-free diet Mm -hmm. for a lot of people has had tremendous capability. The other thing that people who have Crohn's and colitis are loaded with candida. So an anti-yeast protocol may be at play. So it's really – it's not as simple as just looking at somebody who has Crohn's or colitis and saying, here's what you need to do. Each particular person, what's causing their inflammation might be a number of factors, some of which may be similar mm-hmm. and some of which may be different. So it's important to take a look at each person individually, analyze why their body is inflamed, and then create an anti-inflammatory protocol – for that particular person, which might be they get off gluten, might be they get off casein. It might be that we flood them with resveratrol and curcumin. Mm -hmm. It might be that we start them on a methylated multivitamin, multimineral. It might be that we increase their omega fatty acids through EPA and DHA, start them eating things like wild king salmon or wild sockeye salmon. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of not just looking at the particular symptoms of the illness, Mm -hmm. 
but analyzing why they're being inflamed in the first place. Is it because they are stressed out and they don't spend enough time meditating? Is it because they're sleeping on the wrong mattress and they're being flooded with chemicals on a daily basis? Is it because they're fighting with their significant other and as a result of of a challenge within their relationship that it's creating a fight or flight response causing their adrenals to pump out too much cortisol Mm -hmm. and that stress hormone is further aggravating their Crohn's or their colitis. So there's multiple factors at play, but the, the main culprit again always goes back to inflammation. I don't care if somebody has cancer, heart disease, fibromyalgia, lupus, Crohn's disease, or colitis, they have inflammation within their body. And if you get at the root of controlling somebody's inflammatory process, you will find the body will respond. And sometimes it responds really quickly. Mm-hmm. Because unlocking the wellness vault with inside inside someone's body begins and ends with controlling inflammation. It's all about inflammation. God. And now we have inflammatory protocols on ways to do that. Mm-hmm. Now it's a lot easier for us to understand that because we know that tumor necrosis factor of all the things that people are experiencing when somebody experiences pain mm-hmm. – there are proteins like tumor necrosis factor alpha, interleukin-1, interleukin-2, nuclear factor kappa B. They have all these weird names, leukotrienes, prostaglandins, cytokines. Mm-hmm. Allowing all of these proteins to do their damage inside the body is what creates the symptomatology that people show up with. So we have medications now to treat each of those proteins or we can recognize that the way somebody's living – the lifestyle choices that they're making are actively welcoming these symptoms and these illnesses into their life. It's a lot easier to give somebody a medication to treat a symptom mm-hmm. than it is to assist somebody in making a lifestyle change. That's much more challenging to do. As a wellness provider, one of the challenges that we have is it takes time to mm-hmm. sit down with somebody and go through a health program with them. It takes time to evaluate somebody's lifestyle based on what they're doing. How are they sleeping? What foods are they eating? Do they exercise? Do they stretch? What is their relationship like with their spouse? What's their relationship like with their kids? Mm -hmm. It's a time-consuming process that the current medical system is not equipped to deal with individuals like that Mm one-on-one. The current medical system, somebody comes in, communicates with a doctor. The doctor diagnoses the disease. And then based on that diagnosis, gives them a drug or a medication to treat the symptoms of that disease. But when was the last time you went to a doctor and the doctor asked you about your sleeping habits, your eating habits, your exercise habits, your meditation habits, your stretching habits? Mm-hmm. That's not their training. Yeah, it's almost, yeah. And I believe that the medical community, the, the future is going to be the medical community is going to focus on what they do best which is crisis care. The concept of healthcare, because people think the medical community is about healthcare. It's not. It's about sick care, mm-hmm. right? Medical community is sick. We call it healthcare, but it's really sick care. You enter into that system when you're already sick to yeah. get well. Yeah, you're not going in there early. Dream wellness is the exact opposite. Our whole focus is to keep our wellness clients from becoming consumers of the sick care industry. We want our wellness clients to become consumers of the health care industry. 
and the healthcare industry is understanding grass-fed A2 cow's milk. The healthcare industry is about understanding float therapy and why it increases neurotropic factor in the brain. The healthcare industry is about knowing the difference between wild king salmon and farm-raised salmon. The healthcare industry is all about learning all these different distinctions so that an individual can make better choices, make lifestyle changes, and become in charge. They become the chief operating officer of their own mind and their own body rather than handing their mind and their body over to a medical professional and say, fix me after they've, they're already broken. Yeah, That makes no sense. And the future is not going to be that. The future is going to be people actively involved with a wellness advisor or a wellness coach and the two of them walking hand in hand across the bridge outlining what are the goals, where is it that I want to go, do I want more flexibility, do I want more strength, do I want better digestion, do I want to control inflammation, what is it that I'm looking to create and then the practice member – And the doctor, wellness professional, notice I use the term practice member. I don't even use the term patient Mm -hmm. because the term patient means to suffer. So that's a medical term. So the concept of a practice member is somebody being part of their wellness journey, not somebody who's on the outside looking in. I believe that that's where the future is going to be. I want to be there. I want to be there when people – I want to make sure I skate to where the puck is going, not to where the puck is, a la Wayne Gretzky. That's where the puck is going. I like that. All right, Dr. Barron, we just crushed an hour and 25 minutes like it was our job. That was awesome. Do you have any, uh, other than Dream Wellness, do you have any social media, anything like that that you want to give a shout out to before we wrap this thing up? Just uh, livethedreameveryday.com, which is the website, and uh, Dr. Greg Barron, which is going to be my coaching site, which is under construction now. It's going to give me an opportunity to connect with a larger audience of people. And just some YouTube videos that are out there. I am on YouTube. Nice. Awesome. And uh, little by little, just you know, getting this message out and reconnecting with more and more people so that they can hear our message. Dream, your, well, Dream Wellness is the, is the main website. All right, cool. What's your YouTube name? Uh, Dr. Greg Barron. Simple enough. I like it. Easy peasy. Everybody, thank you for, uh, thank you for listening in. Uh, I hope everybody took out their notepads and pens because this is going to be a lot of information for people to take in. Um, Dr. Barron, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Anytime. All right, guys. Till next time. Peace.